0: Previously on Pockets, while Pockets was down playing by the beach, a storm swept over Split Rock, and he was forced to take shelter in his giant turtle shell. Waves crashed upon the shell and carried it out to sea. When the storm finally settled, Pockets realized he wasn't alone. Pete the Platypus had stowed away and had saved one of his eggs. The other eggs and Petey's wife had been separated during the storm. Pockets and Petey encountered Pella Pirates, who were out on a treasure scoop. The greedy pelicans tried to take their shell, but Pockets fought back with the trinkets in his pockets. After the Pella Pirates retreated, Pockets and Petey spotted the land of Yondra in the distance. And now for Episode 2 Stuck in Cogtown. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents. The Adventures of Pockets. "'out of the giant shell at the approaching island. "'It does look like a crown, don't it?' Petey marveled at the tall rocky spires "'that jutted out in different directions. "'Lush greenery wrapped itself around the stone "'and birds fluttered out of distant dark caves. "'A crystal-clear wave gave them one last push "'that flipped the shell right-side up "'and sent it skidding to a stop in the pink sand. "'Pockets poked his head out, and looked around at the crown-shaped mountains and the dense forest at the top of the beach. He wasn't sure what he was waiting for, but after their encounter with the Pella Pirates, he felt he needed to be ready for anything. He looked back at Petey, who was putting on a flashy jewel necklace. What are you doing? Petey's eyes bounced around as if that was a stupid question. I'm dazzling up, of course, he replied. Don't want to be seen in a new land looking a mess. Want one? There's plenty of treasure in the back. We can strut into yondra looking like kings. We'll do no such thing, Pocket said, hands on his hips. Anyone that goes wandering into a foreign land covered in treasure is asking for it. Goodness, is that all the treasure you managed to scoop up? He walked to the back of the roomy shell and beheld the heap of treasure under the table. There were gold coins, ruby-encrusted bracelets, diamond daggers, and all sorts of sparkling loot. It's not all of it,' Petey sighed. "'Some of it fell out when the Pellipiwits lifted the shell into the air. "'How do I look?' He tried on a pearl crown that dropped over his head and rested on his duck bill." Wiggle? Pockets chuckled. Something like that. He spotted a rolled-up paper half-hidden under the coins. What's this? He grabbed it and squeezed water out of it. As it was unrolled, a drawing of a hero standing atop a castle tower was revealed. The character looked strong and brave and held a sword to the sky. The paper was worn and torn, with a large chunk missing in the bottom corner, Pockets read the fancy script below the castle. "'Attention, heroes of Yondra!' He and Petey raised their eyebrows at each other. "'Have you ever wanted to see the kingdom? Have you ever wanted to fight the filth that plagues it? Are you seeking the greatest adventure Yondra has to offer?' Petey was nodding along to all of the questions. Then heed the call of your king and come to the Pebble Castle, where you will be awarded the quest of a lifetime. Pockets paused. Mint, he breathed. Petey was hanging on his every word. Is that it? That's it. Pockets glanced at the hero in the drawing and imagined himself standing atop a castle tower, wearing his pocket pajamas, holding one of his favorite trinkets to the sky. Quest of a lifetime, he whispered to himself. The greatest adventure yonder has to offer? Little vague, if you ask me, Petey said, trying on a big, goofy earring. We've already got plenty of treasure. What could they possibly offer that we don't have? Pockets glowed. Glory, he looked at Petey, Don't you see? It's a chance to do something great. We could be heroes. But what about my egg? Petey nodded back to his egg that was nestled in a nest of treasure. It'll be the most famous egg in all of Yondra. They'll write songs about it and sing them around the fire. Petey scratched his bill. I have always wanted to have a song written about me. What about me wife and other eggs? "'I've got to find him. "'I'm sure we'll find him along the way.' "'Pockets unraveled the paper and looked at it again, full of excitement. "'Otis never cared for riches, "'but he did talk of glory during his sailing days. "'He'd be so proud if I came home with tales of saving an entire kingdom. Pete still didn't look sure, "'but it doesn't say what we'd have to do to save Yondwa.' What if it's something really hard, like eating a thousand oysters in one sitting? Oh, nasty things, he gagged. Pockets raised an eyebrow at him. I'm sure it's more exciting than eating oysters and far less disgusting. What do you say? I could use some company. Hmm, uh, and I could use your skill with those pockets, Petey mumbled. That's the spirit. Hi came a harsh voice at the shell opening. Peedy and Pockets turned to see a big blue crab waving a claw at them. "'You parked your shell on my friend!' "'It really hurts!' came a distant voice outside. "'Did we really?' Pockets and Peedy ran out of the shell and looked back. Sure enough, the shell was sitting on a big blue crab. "'Well,' said the crab friend, You're just going to stand there and enjoy the view, or you're going to do something. You just ran me over without so much as a warning, moaned the trapped crab. A few more big blue crabs skidded over. What's going on? One of them asked. This here pajama boy ran over my friend, said the angry crab. The audacity! Another crab exclaimed. The trapped crab moaned. Ah, uh, maybe if you all just work together and lift. What'd you do that for? cried another crab. We didn't mean to, Pockets barked. The waves carried us in. Your friend should have been watching where he was going. Pockets could feel his temper flaring up. Say, are you crabbies? Petey asked. Yeah? What's it to you? said the friend. Um, guys. The trapped crab weakly waved a claw at them. I think I feel my shell cracking. I've heard of you, Petey said. You're like the gods of yonder's beaches, right? How do you know all this? Pockets asked. I don't know, Petey shrugged. Just heard it around, I guess. There's a close-knit community among talking animals, you know. Guards is an understatement, growled another crabby. We're Yandra's first line of defense against the outside world, and... Wait, I guess that does make us gods. Next to them, a wave pushed the giant shell further on top of the poor trapped crab. Oh, okay, really? Have you ever seen my eyes bulge this much? We'll make a deal, Pocket said. We'll pay you a share of our treasure if you help carry our shell to the Pebble Castle. You'll be helping us get to where we need to go... You'll lift the shell off your friend and make a sack of coin in the process. It's a long way to the castle, the crabby friend snarled. We've never been there for," said another. One of them raised his claws to his face. And leave our toasty sand behind. We'll make it worth your while, Pocket said, taking the crown off Petey's bill and tossing it over to the crabbies. It rung around the crabby friend's eyes that went cross eyed looking at its sparkling jewels. In a poof of sand, the crabbies huddled together and whispered irritably, all while their friend moaned under the shell. Grumble all you want, crabbies, Pocket said. We're getting to that castle with or without your help. A skinny crabby with a cracked shell scurried away from the huddle and cleared his throat for dramatic effect. <clears throat> you have a deal. But we get to choose when to take bathroom breaks. Yeah, and if we need to stop and rest our legs, we will, said another. Or if we want to rest and polish our claws, we will, squeaked another. His confidence faded as his crabby friend slowly looked at him. What? Deal. Pockets shook the skinny crabby's claws. He pulled the floss from one of his pockets. Now, let's get you hooked up to this shell. Minutes later, several crabbies attached to the giant turtle shell by Floss were pulling it up the beach towards the forest. Behind them, a flattened blue crab slowly raised his head from the sand and groaned. Uh, guys? Pockets proudly watched the big blue crabs drag the shell into the trees like horses pulling a carriage. He was working better than he'd imagined, and while the shell didn't have wheels, its smooth underbelly glided easily across the soft forest floor. Pockets passed the time by using the crayon from one of his pockets to color a picture of their encounter with the Krabbies, and then stuck it to the wall above the desk. Meanwhile, Petey passed the time by cozying up in a blanket in the hammock and singing lullabies to his ache. His singing voice was atrocious, but there was something endearing about the way he gingerly stroked the egg. At one point during their journey, Pockets climbed onto the top of the shell and looked out at the lush yondra forest. Enormous white trees towered overhead. Colorful mushrooms sprouted out of the bark and spiraled up to the canopies, getting smaller and smaller towards the top, occasionally retracting back into the bark as the shell passed. Strange lizard squirrel critters hopped from one mushroom to another. One of them landed on the shell of a crabby, and a blue crab swatted the creature off its back, growling angrily at it. Show some respect, it snarled. The other crabbies seemed to find something to complain about every few feet. There's not enough sun out here, whined one. <clears> oh, <throat> the ground's wet, said another. I'm hungry. Pockets had snapped at them a few times, but eventually just resigned to tuning them out. He climbed back into the shell and took a nap in the hammock, a nap that was interrupted when the Krabbies came to an abrupt stop. How could I've got to go. Petey hopped up from his tower of stacked coins and ran out of the shell. Pockets shook his head. You've taken more bathroom breaks than all the Krabbies combined. He stepped out of the shell and froze. "'What is this place?' "'One of the crabbies looked back at him. "'Cogtown,' it said. "'A really lousy place,' said another. "'A real weird bunch, the Coggers. "'A bunch of know-it-alls. "'But look at them now. "'Looks like their gears are jammed.' "'Good,' said a scrawny crabby. "'We won't have to listen to em blab.' "'Hush, all of you!' Pocket snapped." The Krabbies went quiet as Pockets walked out in front of them and looked over the scene. An entire village made of metal cogs filled the clearing. Brass and silver gears stacked together to make homes, towers, and people. It looked as though a giant clock had exploded and been magically pieced back together in the form of a town. What made it even more strange was the fact that nothing was moving. Everything was frozen in time. The cog people stood midstride. A cog woman on a cog horse sat with her hand stuck mid-wave. Two cog men were stuck in an exchange of nuts and bolts. Pockets walked up to one of the coggers and looked them over. It was a young girl, her hair a sprawling fan of gears and wires, Her tiny stature and complex build made her look like a cute mechanical doll. She had a pleasant brass face that appeared to be in the middle of shouting at the rest of the town. She was firmly planted on a tall stump with an arm extended. "'Pockets!' Pity shouted, stumbling over. "'You won't believe what I... found!' The platypus trailed off as he came to a stop next to Pockets.' he took in the strange splendor of Cocktown. "'What is it?' he asked. "'Is this some sort of statue?' Pockets asked the Crabbies. "'A giant piece of art? Who made this?' "'It's not art,' said one of the Crabbies. Cocktown is a living place. Or at least it was. Don't know what happened here.' Pockets studied little Cog Girl's face, it looked like her open jaw was trying to move, but it was stuck. He pulled the paper clip out of her pocket, extended it into a point, and wiggled the point into the rusted gears on either side of the jaw. With a couple of hard wiggles, the gears popped off. "'What'd you do that for?' Petey cried. "'Got some treasure and you think you can vandalize everything,' one of the Krabbies mumbled to his neighbor." Pockets ignored them and took his wristwatch out of another pocket. Prying it open with the paperclip, he pulled out two similarly shaped gears and clipped them into place on either side of the girl's jaw. Ha! Ah, the little cargo gasped. Thank you. Pockets and Petey jumped back, startled. Oh, you do talk, Pockets said, putting his trinkets back into their pockets. ''Of course I talk,'' the girl replied, her jaw being the only thing moving on her. ''I talk as well as anyone. But we don't have time to chat. We need to get the town fixed. They're coming back.'' ''Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on.'' Pockets looked over the town. ''Who's coming back? Who did this to you?'' ''Tuga and his vile gizzards. They've jammed the town, and they'll be back to make sure we stay jammed. That miserable oath has to ruin everything in Yondra.'' Why would someone want to jam the town? P.D. asked. Wait, the girl paused. You don't work for him, do you? You're not a spy or anything? I don't know who Tuga is, but I can assure you I will never be employed by someone with a name like that. (sighs) Ah, good, the girl said. Tuga and his disgusting, rude, showy gizzards jammed us up because we didn't have the dragon egg he's looking for. And being the scale-brain that he is, he of course didn't believe us when we told him we didn't know where it was. He thinks just because we're the brains of Yandra, we have to know where every little thing is. Calm down, Pocket said. How do I get the rest of you unjammed? I don't have enough gears to replace all of your rusty parts. The cockhouse It's what makes it so all coggers can move. It's over there. Pockets looked back at the town, but it was impossible to tell whether the girl was trying to point to something. "'There?' he pointed to a random building. "'No, there, you nincompoops!' Uh, "'Over there?' Petey pointed to another building. "'No, there!' the girl's jaw snapped. Pockets flushed. "'We can't—' "'Oh, sorry, I forgot my arm isn't moving—' The cone-shaped building on the corner of the street, that's the cog house. Tuga and his gizzards jammed it somehow, and if we don't get it fixed, my people will be frozen forever. Pockets tilted his head. But even if we fix it and you all run away, can't Tuga just re-jam it and freeze you all again? Not if I lock it up. I'm a cog key. (laughs) Ah, of course, a cog key, Petey nodded and winked at her. Pockets looked him up and down. Don't pretend like you know what she's talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea what that is, Petey admitted. I knew it, the girl said. I can't move my eyes, but I can tell from this angle that you're not yondrin. Who are you? I'm Pockets. This is Petey. We're from Split Rock, the island with the lighthouse not far from here. The girl hesitated. I've never heard of it. "'Odd. Yondra isn't known to reveal itself to outsiders.' "'Reveal itself?' Pockets raised an eyebrow. "'I'm cogline the girl said. "'And a cog key is a special cogger made specifically to keep important things locked up on Yondra. "'I'm one of the last that remain. "'My body works as a key that will unlock impossible locks that are made especially for me, "'like the lock on the door to the cog house.' ''How did they get into the cockhouse in the first place?'' Pockets asked. ''It was a surprise attack. They seized me before I could get away and forced me into the lock. If we can get the cockhouse working again, I'll lock it up and flee so that they'll never be able to open it and jam us again.'' Pockets looked at P.D. ''It might set us back a bit. What if it's a trap?'' ''A trap? It's not a trap, I assure you,'' Coghleen said.'' You were obviously allowed to come to Yondra for a reason. It can't be a coincidence we cross paths. The greater power wills it. Pockets looked at Petey. I really don't want to be late for the king's quest. If somebody claims it before us... King's quest? Coglin jumped in. If you were on a quest for the king, then surely the greater powers paved the way for you. I can lead you to him if you help us. ''But the Krabbies already know the way to the king,'' Petey pointed out. ''But only I can grant you an audience with him.'' ''Go on,'' Pockets took a step closer. ''Since you obviously aren't connecting the dots, I am the key that opens the castle gate. It is one of the reasons Tuka planned to return. He needs me to get to the king. If he gets a hold of me and a dragon, it will be the end of Yondra.'' None of this really makes sense, but I'm willing to spare a few minutes if it stops her from talking to us like we're a couple of buffoons, Pocket said. I'm itching to use my trinkets again anyway. Petey picked the nostril in his bill and laughed. <laughs> buffoons! Excellent, cogline said. So first we will need... A horn suddenly sounded in the distance. Its echo lingered for a moment. What was that? Petey hid behind Pockets. Oh no, they're here, Cogleen cried. Quick, carry me to the cockhouse. Pockets scooped Cogleen up and started running her over to the cockhouse. Goodness you're heavy, Pockets groaned. I'm made of metal. Petey, grab her legs. Pockets suddenly felt something tug him backward. Ugh. He turned and saw Petey clinging to Cogleen's legs and holding on for dear life. What are you doing? Pockets shouted. Petey peeked out with one eye. I'm grabbing her legs. No, pick up her legs and help me carry her. Oh, on it! Petey scooped up Cogleen's legs and together he and Pockets carried the little cogger over to the cog house door. The door was tall and skinny and right in the middle was a keyhole the shape of a little person with its arms held out straight to the sides. Now, Coglin said, push my arms into position and stick me into the door. Pockets could hear the marching of footsteps approaching. Um, boss, called one of the Krabbies, this wasn't part of the gig. Just go hide in the trees, Pockets shouted back at them. The Krabbies obeyed, scurrying into the trees, grumbling and taking the shell with them. Pockets turned his attention back to Coglin. He pulled out the paper clip and started wiggling it into her jammed joints so that he could free them up and move her arms into position. Crank, crank! Coghlein's shoulder gears turned and Pockets quickly pulled her arms out to the sides. Okay, on three, he said to P.D. They both grabbed onto either arm. One... Two, three. Clunk. They shoved her into the door and she bounced off. Now, lift your side a little more, Pockets told Petey. Like this? Yeah. And heave. Clunk. Cogleen face planted it into the door. Ouch. Oh, look, she feels, Petey announced. Again, Pockets shouted. Clunk. Ouch. Clunk. Ooh. Clunk. Ugh. Pockets kept adjusting and shoving. Why Mm -hmm. won't Mm -hmm. you fit? Clunk, clunk, clunk. Lower, you fools, Cogleen yelled. Before they could shove her face into the door once more, Pockets and Petey crouched a little and tried again. Clunk, click. Her body slid into the keyhole, and immediately the gears in her body started to spin. Ah, they both said. They watched as all around Cogline, cogs started turning inside the tall door until, click, click, cling, the gears stopped and the door swung open with Cogline inside. Sounded like she was trying to say something, but her voice was muffled in the door. Pockets and Peetie ran into the cog house and came skidding to a stop. Looming over them was a complex network of gears, spindles, and belts. "'all bunched together like a mechanical tree.' "'Well, we tried,' Peedy said, turning to leave. "'Hold on!' Pockets grabbed him and pulled him back. "'We just have to find what gears were jammed. "'Keep watch while I work.' "'Will do!' Peetie saluted and stared intensely at Pockets. "'No, I mean watch out for them, Tuga and the Gizzards.' Oh, "'Right, right,' Peedy saluted again, ran to the doorway, and looked out with the same constipated intensity. Pockets shook his head and turned back to the mechanical tree. There were dark, grayish-green blotches all over the metal. Someone must have sprayed something over the machine to rust up the gears. It would take forever to pry them loose one by one with the paperclip, not to mention the fact that his little wristwatch didn't have nearly enough gears, or big enough gears, to replace them. As he looked over the complex heap, Pockets remembered working on the lighthouse with Otis. "'The wet, salty air will guck up the gears,' Otis had told him, kneeling down next to an open mechanical box under the lighthouse bulb. "'To get her spinning again, all ye have to do is smooth out the gears with this.' The jolly, plump man held up a candle. "'A candle?' Pockets scrunched his nose at it. "'A wax candle,' Otis said.' Wax'll smooth out the gears and help turn again. Sometimes if ye smooth out the biggest one first and it gets going, it'll push the rest along. Here, start with that one. He handed Pockets the candle and pointed to the biggest gear in the box. Pockets rubbed the candle's wax along the grooves of the gear until it was coated in a slippery layer. After the second coat, he heard the gear grow. That's it, Otis hollered. Now, step back. They stepped back, and with a cronk, the gear slipped free of its jam. As it turned, the other gear started to turn as well. Ha-ha! Otis cheered. He did it! ha 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 He stood up and did an embarrassing dance around the lighthouse tower while singing an old sailor's song. Pockets looked at the wax candle and then gazed up at the now-turning light in awe. That same gaze now looked up at the biggest gear in the coghouse's mechanical tree. Another blow from the approaching horns woke him from his thoughts. "'I'm saying something in the trees, Petey announced. Coglin's muffled voice shouted from a keyhole something that sounded like, "'Did you fix it?' "'I'm working on it!' Pocket shouted. He quickly reached into his pocket and pulled out the crayon. The wax crayon... Climbing up the cogs, he reached the biggest gear towards the top. Up close, Pockets could see how rusted it was. There were greenish-gray patches everywhere. He could hear the stomping of marching feet outside. Without wasting another second, he picked a groove and started coloring over it. His hand worked in a frenzy. Once the groove was well coated, he moved on to the next groove, and the next, and the next. By the time he made it all the way around, there was a nice, slippery layer around the cog. It let out a deep groan, but it wasn't budging. Pockets picked up the pace. He went around the cog again and again, coloring in the grooves faster and faster and faster. Just before he reached the last groove, it snapped. Clunk. 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 The cog broke free and slowly started to turn. As it did, all of the smaller cogs below started turning as well. At first, they turned slowly, grinding against the rust and slowly gaining momentum. Outside, Town was gradually coming back to life. Coggers were slowly moving their limbs again. Carts with cog wheels creeped along. Cog kittens slowly pranced along the brass rooftops. Steps were slowly taken. It's working, Pockets announced. I can see their faces, Petey shouted. He cradled his egg protectively under his arm. Don't worry, little one, I got you. You did it, Cogleen's muffled voice squealed. The gears in her body were starting to spin again. The cogs in the mechanical tree were spinning faster and faster, and with it, everything in Cogtown regained their full speed motion. Pockets rode the spinning gears down the mechanical tree, jumping from one turning cog to another until he landed back on the ground. Cogleen pulled herself from the keyhole and gave Pockets a big hug. "'Oh, thank you! You're welcome!' Pockets wheezed, his neck being weighed down by Coglin's shockingly heavy arms. "'We need to get everyone out of here!' Cogleen turned and ran out of the cog house. Outside, coggers were gradually realizing that danger was approaching. "'Run!' Cogleen shouted to them. "'Head for the trees! Spread out and don't look back!' She quickly turned and ran back to the Cog House. With incredible strength that defied her size, she slammed the tall door, held out her arms, jumped back into the keyhole, turned her gears to lock it, and then hopped back out. Pockets and Petey watched her with raised eyebrows. "'Whoa!' they said together, "'Come on!' Cogline said to them as she ran back into the panicked crowd. "'We need to help them escape!' Pockets looked at the trees and he could clearly see now the approaching army of lizards. "'Maybe we should be fleeing as well!' Pockets shouted. "'Not until everyone's gone!' Cogline shouted back. She scooped up a little cargo boy and handed him to his parents, who cradled him and ran into the trees. There were still dozens of coggers left." Petey rubbed his egg. Big lizards eat eggs,'' he whimpered. ''Not today.'' Pockets glanced between the blazing sun and the lizards. ''Petey, you and Coghlein grab the last coggers and find a hiding spot by the shell. I'll meet you there in a minute.'' ''But we can't go without...'' ''Go!'' Petey took off and, with Coghlein, grabbed the last straggling coggers, who were the older few with flimsy gears, and then rushed for the trees.'' Pockets grabbed a small mirror out of one of his leg pockets and flashed it at the lizards. Hey, you, he shouted to them, over here. The sun's blinding light reflected off the mirror and blazed into the lizards' faces. I can't see, screeched several lizards. Many stopped to shield their faces from the blinding reflection. That's right, Pockets said. Come and get some. He ran to the opposite end of the clearing from where the coggers were fleeing all while reflecting light into the lizard's faces. "'Where's it coming from?' a lizard growled. "'It's magic!' shouted another. "'Out of my way, you newts!' a voice thundered. Seeing that all the coggers were gone, Pockets put away his mirror and hopped into the bushes. Slowly he peeked out from behind a bush, and his eyes grew wide. A massive lizard pushed through to the front of the lizard army and looked around. They're gone! The lizard was fat and had a stubby tail. He had to be at least twice the size of the lizards around him. His head was round and wrinkly. His face was flat and mean. And unless Pockets was seeing things, instead of clothes, he wore an old fishing boat. The bottom curved up his back and his head and limbs were smashed through the deck and sides. Tuga, Pockets whispered. He looked over the nervous lizards in the clearing. These had to be the gizzards. The thin green lizard people walked on two legs. Their long tails swayed behind them, and a slithering tongue occasionally popped in and out of their narrow faces. Scaly loincloths hung from their waists, and they carried staffs with crab pincers on the end that opened and closed when they moved their hand up and down the shaft. Search everything, Tuga bellowed. Gizzards ran silently through Cocktown, peering through windows, climbing up tower walls, and turning over carts. They were incredibly nimble and smooth in their motions. Pockets thought about the word Coglin had used to describe them. Showy, and it fit. The gizzards almost looked like they were showing off for one another, trying to outdo the gizzard next to them with an even more impressive flip or climb. Pockets thought he heard a few of them say, No, I'm going to check over there. And, oh yeah, not if I get there first. Tuga rolled his eyes at them and snarled as he limped over to the cog house. He stopped in front of the tall locked door. Pockets could tell by the heaving backside of his boat coat that he was trembling with anger. No, 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 no! Tuga punched the door and it shook. Punched it again and again, but the door wouldn't budge. He whirled around and glared at his gizzards, who were now frozen and quietly watching him. Where's that squeaky little cogger? The gizzards glanced at each other nervously. You let her get away? The enormous fat lizard limped over to the turned over cot. With one hand, he easily picked it up and lifted it to his flaring nostrils. His beady eyes glared at its spinning gears. Pockets crouched a little lower. The cart was close by. If this creature had any gift for smell, he'd surely sniff him out. From this close, he could see all the scars and Tuga's scales. He could hear his raspy, labored breathing. (sighs) Then, with a sudden burst, Tuga turned and threw the cart through the air. Smash! It exploded into a spray of gears against a tree at the other end of town. Find her! Tuga roared. She can't be far! In a frantic burst of movement, the gizzards started running into the forest in all directions. Pocket's heart was pounding. Staying low, he carefully crawled through the trees towards their meeting spot. On his way, he had to stop and duck a few times to let gizzards run by, but eventually he made it back to the giant shell... He let out a sigh of relief when he saw Coglin and Petey crouch down next to it. "'All of the coggers got away,' Coglin whispered. Her metal face formed a smile. "'Come on, I know a place they won't look for us.' She hopped into the shell. Petey looked back at Pockets and gave him a shrug before hopping in after her. Pockets glanced back at the distant noise of the searching gizzards and the angry shouts of Tuga. "'Tuga.' Not leaving anything to chance, he quickly set a few traps by tying the floss between a few trees. Hurry, Coglin whispered. We've got to go. I'm coming. Pockets tied the line, put the floss back into his pocket, and hopped into the shell. Well, that was exciting, he said, grabbing the Krabby's reins and giving them a good flick. The Krabby snapped to attention and quietly pulled the shell deeper into the forest. Hey, Rocketeers, I was losing my voice on that one. I hope you enjoyed it. My mother-in-law's been trying to get me to take care of my voice. Gloria, I need to get better. I'm sorry. She told me to drink some honey and lime. I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to take better care of my voice because I'm losing it doing some of these stories. But that was fun. I hope you guys are enjoying this, uh, this story, this series of Pockets. Uh, Be sure to stay tuned because there are going to be more episodes. I'm bouncing between Pockets and Space Train right now. And once I finish those two seasons, we might revisit some of the other uh, stories we've done in the past. I want to give some shout-outs to some very special patrons. Hannah and her mom Zoe from West Hartford, Connecticut. Thank you so much, you guys, for your support. Hannah, I know you're really enjoying the podcast. Thanks for listening. And Daniel and his little sister, Sophia, who love Camp Dino, have been listening and they're supporting the show. Daniel and Sophia, you're awesome. And Flint from California. Flint, I hear you're five. Guess what? My little boy, Cohen's five. I bet you guys would be good buddies. Thanks so much for listening, Flint, and for your support. And I also want to thank you all who left reviews on Apple Podcasts. This one's from Pink Panda Avery. And it says, OMG, best podcast ever. Hi, my name is Avery. I discovered this podcast and fell in love with it. I told my friend and now she loves it. Thumbs up, smiley faces. Awesome, Avery. Thank you so much for sharing the podcast. I've said this a million times, Rocketeers, but... When you share it with your friends or family members, that's the biggest compliment you can give. But I do love these reviews, too. And this next one, I don't know who it's from, but it says, I love the Space Train Season 2 theme song. It beats Digger, Camp Dino, and even Adventures of Pockets. Please, please, please do an episode weekly. I am like, no, it's the Monday without a new episode. By the way, I love your show so much. Please make more. That's how I read it. That's a great review. I'm sorry that I'm not doing the episodes weekly. Something to keep in mind, Rocketeers. These episodes are pretty long. They're pretty long, pretty involved. Most of them are around like 40 minutes or so. If you go listen to other shows, they're usually like a 15, 20-minute episode. Some are a little longer, like those shows that do it weekly. And I did uh, send out a survey a while ago asking if you all wanted weekly episodes. I would basically just take these long episodes and cut them in half. So you're getting like, you know, the episode would be 20 minutes long and split in half. But it was pretty unanimous from all of you um, that you guys wanted the longer episodes. You like the 40, 45 minute, just chunky chapter-like episode, and so that's what I'm doing. I'm still doing it that way. If you guys want it differently, it's still going to be like, I mean, just imagine that story I just told you but split in half and then just, you know, released weekly. I don't know. I personally like doing it all in one go, Um, but if you guys prefer something different and I get enough feedback from you that you want to just split it up, let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to keep doing it every other week. Uh, But I'm glad whoever left that review, you liked the theme song. I kind of obsessed about it first. I was like, oh, this is a little too much. I don't know if I'm going to do this. But I, I kept coming back to it. So I couldn't help myself. And it fit too well, almost too well to where like it's annoying how much it gets stuck in my head i'm gonna be a hero shining like you've never seen i'm like oh no oh no i'm like going to bed you know it's bad news when you lay down to go to bed and there's a song that's stuck in your head oh my that is the worst i just want to like jump out the window when that happens and that's happened a couple times with this song so sorry if that's happened to you guys but it is a good song the digger theme song's legit uh the pockets theme song's legit i agree Anyway, I have a lot of fun looking for that music, so I'm glad you're all appreciating it. Rocketeers, I love it. This next review is from Newbie One Kenobi. Ooh, man, you got my attention with that username, Newbie One. I love Star Wars. I'm a Star Wars fan. I, I, I'm not like the guy that knows the name of every planet Star Wars. I know a lot of you would assume that. But I do love some of that Jedi lightsaber action. I love the Force. I mean, the latest trilogy, if I'm being honest, was a little weak sauce. They clearly didn't plan it out. Uh, Not that I'm like a master planner of stories, okay? I'm not one to judge, but I'm doing a kid's podcast, all right? It's not like a billion-dollar movie franchise. Plan it out, people, but Star Wars is really cool. That was a tangent, Newbie One Kenobi. Newbie One says, I'm eight. I have a brother. He's six. My favorite is winning the Pixie Knots. Please make more. And my second favorite is Camp Dino. Kirby is fun. And I like Gavin. He's cool except for the dung bombs. <laughs> oh my goodness. You don't like the dung bombs, huh? You don't like poop bombs? Come on. I hear you. I hear you. It's not okay to throw poop bombs, but it did come in handy for those who've listened to Camp Dino. Go check it out. For those who've not heard Camp Dino, I probably got your attention with that. Poop bombs? What the heck is this guy talking about? Uh, I'm glad, newbie one, that you and your brother are enjoying the stories. Winning the Pixie Nuts, to be honest, I'm not... Uh, I don't want to give too much away here, but I want to come back to Winglings and Winnie. They exist in the same universe and i think i'm going to put them together for the next story kind of we'll see we'll see don't hold me to that cuz i have not like planned anything out but i'm glad you enjoyed winning the pixie knots. that's a fun note i actually i don't know if i said this at the beginning of winning the pixie nuts i wrote that story for my wife Sarah, years ago, it was like a Christmas present. I don't know what the heck was going on there. It was like I started writing it during like a lunch break at work just because she grew up loving to make fairy gardens, which is really funny because my daughter Aurora, my eight-year-old daughter, she loves to make fairy gardens. And they're like masterpieces. I'm not trying to brag about my kid, but she's probably secretly a fairy because when I look at her fairy gardens, I'm like, what the heck? This is the coolest thing ever. I want to live in that. Uh, but apparently my wife grew up making the fairy gardens too and just loving kind of like magical fairy stuff. And so I wrote her this fairy tale that was basically like about her and kind of used different parts of her personality and some of the different characters. So uh, Winning the Pixie Nuts has a special place for me because it was written for my wife. And then I had written it and it was just sitting there. I was like, you know what? I had started this podcast. I'm going to just narrate this and I can kind of plug it into uh, the Pixie Nuts into Winglings. Oh, that's not like a spoiler or anything. I don't think. I don't know. Anyway, a little side note. I love that you loved Winnie and the Pixie Knots Rocketeers, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for these reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. Send me your feedback. I've just heard some incredible stories from a lot of you, from some of you who maybe aren't, like, big readers And this podcast has really helped you um, or it's something that you kind of bond over as a family, father, son, mother, daughter. I love that. I'm a reluctant reader. I've said it before. I have to really push myself to read. And I know some of you that might sound baffling because I'm like writing stuff. It doesn't make sense, but... Uh, for the longest time, like I have to like set time aside, and be like, okay, I'm just gonna get through. Like I gotta get through at least a few pages here. Like I'm reading Harry Potter right now; it's awesome. But it's taken me years just because I'm crawling through it. It's it just takes some extra motivation. And I know there's a lot of you out there, and I hope this podcast helps inspire you to get into stories and to read. Reading is so good for you, Rocketeers. Please don't fight your parents when they tell you to read. It's good for your brain. It's great for your imagination. And I hope this podcast can, like I said, just kind of get your creative gears turning. Well, look at that on theme with this episode. Get your gears turning and uh, and stimulate your imagination a little bit. So thank you for the reviews. And thank you so much, all the patrons out there who's supporting the show. You can go to patreon.com slash podcast. Those of you out there who are looking for a way to help, love it. And don't forget to tune in next time, Rocketeers. This is your host, Greg Webb.